Hey there, everyone. Happy Sunday. It is Denise and Will, Will and Denise, and we are here for After the Week, uh, back at our regu regularly scheduled hour. I sound like a commercial saying that. Um, but we are back, and we had an absolutely wild week. Will, what is up? Happy 2023, first off, Denise. Oh, yeah, this it's is... our first 2023 show. Duh. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, not the first one we've done together because we just did uh, raw posts. But, right? but for after the week. Right? But, but for after the week yeah. <laughs> if, if, if this is your home base for shows, happy 2023. It has been an adventurous week, like uh, a hard week to even pick stuff from because there is so much good stuff that uh, I'm looking at my list now and I'm like, Oh, there's stuff I like want to change here, <laughs> which is you why I change things. I've changed things super last minute on this show. Oh yeah, that's why I'm making you go first this week because I'm like <laughs> that <Okay>. gives me <laughs> because I, in case I need to shift some stuff around, I don't know, okay. but uh, I have a hunch our number ones are the same. But uh, and maybe they're so not. Too. But uh, either way. This is a good week, so I'm I'm happy. I I am pleased as a professional wrestling fan. I will say this: uh, you didn't watch it live, but when it comes to things like Wrestle Kingdom, I always make sure to catch it live, which throws me off for pretty much the rest of like January because uh, I stayed up till five thirty a.m. watching it. Uh, I got like an hour nap in beforehand. Like earlier in the evening, I went to bed at like seven, woke up at like 8.30, and then I tried to stay up till 5.30. I did watch the entire thing. At first, I was like, all right, let's make sure we catch like the Mercedes stuff, and then I'll go to bed. And I'm like, oh, but I want to see this FTR match. And then uh, by the time I reached the end of the show, or got to the second to last match, and then I thought, I might as well just watch the whole thing. And I did. And... Now my entire sleep schedule is completely off. I had to peel myself out of bed this morning. And what? Will Washington, the uh -huh. guy who always makes breakfast gourmet I style. Right I still made breakfast. Hold on. I still you did still it. Still got up to make breakfast. <laughs> I still made breakfast. Yes. Uh, and as a matter of fact, I can't hands still with smell you, like it all. I can't yes. with you. I can't with you. <laughs> but I. I I still had to peel myself out of bed this morning and it's tough. And it, like I said, it throws me off through all of January. Uh, and it takes me a minute to even get back just by one night of having screwed yeah. up sleep. So. I feel you, man. That happened to me at the start of January, but it was different because I started playing Uno with my siblings and we got really competitive and I stayed up until like 3 a.m. and that messed up my sleeping schedule for <laughs> I'm still trying to get it back. I was yeah. doing really good and I was waking up like every day, like around like between seven and eight. Now I'm between nine and 10, which has really messed up my schedule during the week, but I can't get up any sooner than this. And then today it was funny because I woke up and I was like, I turned to my husband. I'm like, can you order me some food? He's like, what do you want? I'm like, McDonald's. I want a sausage McMuffin. And so he got me McDonald's, right? But I was sitting there and I turned around and I told him, I was like, I bet you will already made pancakes <laughs> and eggs and bacon and they're extra crispy. And I bet you he already has a bunch of food on the table. Meanwhile, I'm here like, Bleh. But You're not wrong true. about any of them. <laughs> that's what I mean. Like, that's the difference. Like, you peeling out of bed, you still wake up and make breakfast. Me peeling out of bed, I can't even get myself Uber Eats. I can't even get myself to open my <laughs> eyes, to open up the phone, to open the app up and order some food. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> There's about two right. differences here, Will. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, look, I... I 
even still, I was like scarfing down. Literally, I looked up uh, at the clock, and you were still somehow later than me here, by the way. But because uh, this is, folks, this is my plate right here. I literally just finished it. Uh, like right before the show, I'm like, I look up at the clock and I realized, oh crap, there's like a minute to go. And then I like rush and you weren't even here. <laughs> so uh, all good. Although I do have a question because you mentioned uh, staying up New Year's playing Uno with uh, with the siblings. So now that begs the question. I have to know what house rules does competitive Uno, what house rules does your family play by? I don't think we have rules. There's really? No rules in this family? No. No, like I mean, I mean everybody's got their own different like Uno rules. Like some people. No, we played on the phone, so we were oh, all on the phone together. Okay, like, so, so we just got playing. the right. So you, ah. we got like the three way thing going, and we're right. like just like playing on the phone. Yeah, that's how we did. Okay, it. that but then it was you funny, go by though, the because phone we would just phone. be like talking shit to each other because we'd be like, <laughs> you know, obviously when you get certain cards and you got to play them against certain people, I'm sorry. Then this person's like, well, watch what I don't. I'm gonna remember that. I'm gonna get your ass back. You know that type of thing. So uh -huh. we were just like there, and so we played a, like a hundred games or so. Because we were all just like addicted. And even the next day I woke up and I was like, hey, you guys want to play Uno? And they were like, yeah. And then they left home and now I have no one to play Uno with. Because you have to have three people on it to play Uno. And my husband doesn't like to play Uno. He's like, nah, I don't feel like playing. So I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. So I have to wait for my siblings to come back so that I can play Uno. Who doesn't like Uno? Okay. But it's not that he doesn't like Uno. just doesn't want to, doesn't feel like playing Uno. Yeah. I don't know. Our New Year's game, by the way, me and the kids was uh, we ended up playing Cards Against Humanity the basically the whole night. And uh, I will say, as far as any game along those lines, the fun of Cards Against Humanity is it's really the strategy there is simply knowing everybody at the table, and that's the, the basically it's like what's gonna pop each person and knowing their sense of humor, and that's entirely it. And we had a blast with that. So that was our New Year's activity. But I love it. What are we talking about today? Just, you know, absolutely nothing that happened in the wrestling week. This was like the slowest week ever. Uh, kind of, yeah. not really. No, we actually have a ton to get into. So let's get right into it, everyone. If you are new to this show, um, the way that things work is Will and I pick our three best of the week and then our one worst of the week. And uh, sometimes I think we're on the same page. Sometimes we're not on the same page. Uh, we'll see what happens here today. Uh, given that this week had a lot of additional shows and just so much extra stuff that we ended up watching, uh, this week I found it uh, a little bit harder to pick just three. I was even going to text you and think like, oh, maybe we should do top five. <laughs> then I was like, no, that defeats the whole purpose of the I show. Know. I had the, the same. Best. It's so funny because I almost texted you saying, hey, what if we did like six? Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking the same thing, but I'm like, no, we got to stick to the purpose of the show. And that's like no participations trophies. Okay. If it was the best, it's going to be on the list. If it didn't cut it and there was other things that were better then too bad. This is the cutthroat podcast, Will. Exactly. No, we hate that. That is the game here that we have to pick three. Even if we had to leave some stuff we really loved and stuff that like made a whole lot of headlines behind. 
that's okay. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into this. Also, heads up for everyone here. Uh, just a friendly reminder. Uh, I do. I actually got a couple of announcements really quickly to make. First and foremost, YouTube memberships are officially now open. You can now be a YouTube member here on the show, and what that gets you is additional content, which is going to be uh, be put up. As you, I already started putting some of it up uh, a couple days ago. Uh, you also get an exclusive community members uh, members only tab where you get like exclusive just behind the scenes photos and you know just really silly stuff and whatever it is that I come up with uh, for the week on that you also get to use emojis custom emojis that have been uh, implemented here on the member site and you also get badges and all of that good stuff to let people know that you are a member of the channel uh, this is the first time I'm ever doing this this is on the testing side of things so uh, you know just I don't know if you want to be a member feel free to be a member also if you want to get your question your comment your statement your opinion your top three your worst of the week right here on the show ask us a question put us on the spot whatever it is go ahead and send in a super chat if you do send in a super chat it will be read here on the show and it also helps us out tremendously because uh you know it just basically helps us keep uh keep and stay funded here on the show if you watch the show afterwards if you don't watch live and you're like oh my god i really like denise and will so i want to send a super chat uh but i can't because i'm not watching live well don't worry because we have officially turned on the super thanks button which means that even after the show is not live anymore you can still send in a super thanks and that comes through uh but let's do this here we go will you wanted me to go first right yeah because i literally just changed up my number three like literally as you were talking i thought ah shit i know i like this better I need to change it. <laughs> so, you're falling apart, Will. You're falling apart. I am. So okay. I, I, I want to see what it is by the time you're done with your number three. Okay, then. Fine. I'll go first. My number three for the week. Now, this one, I think, God, uh, there was a lot of criticism towards this one. And there were some. You know, there was some good feedback, some good reactions. But then there were some people that were, like, trashing it and this and that. But I have to put it on my uh, third best of the week for a couple of reasons. Excuse me. And that is uh, Mercedes Monet uh, coming out to uh, Wrestle Kingdom 17, making her New Japan Pro Wrestling debut. And this one. OK, so here's the thing. Um, when I watch this, my immediate thoughts on uh, on her coming into New Japan. Obviously, this was something we already knew. The rumors and reports were already out there. So we were all pretty much just waiting to see uh, what she did and how she did it. Now, I know some things maybe weren't executed you know, perfectly to the T, but I really thought, and this is my train of thought for this. One, it is really truly the fact that she could have just gone so many different routes here, okay? She could have just, you know, taken the easy route. She could have stayed with doing all of these fun red carpet events and, hey, I'm going to be putting out music and, hey, I'm working on this project and that project. She could have just kept doing that and, you know, obviously she's still going to be doing that, but she could have just stuck to that, right? She could have returned to WWE. She could have, uh, if, if it is true that she's going to possibly be going to AEW, she could have just waited until her AEW debut. There's all these avenues that she could have taken that would have probably required a lot less work a lot less effort but the fact that she decided to you know go to Japan and do this and she's committed herself to upcoming dates and shows to me it just kind of I really resonated with that because it's like she's carving out her own 
path. She's trailblazing her own path. And now, given some of the events that unfolded later this week in the world of wrestling, I feel that she made an even better decision of not, let's say, returning to WWE right away. Uh, because as we know, the, the landscape in wrestling changes rapidly. And a lot of people thought that, hey, this was a sure thing. You know, things are not going to be changing within who's in power and who's not and all of these little stuff. So for me, um, I loved that aspect of it. The fact that she's just going a different route and doing something a little bit, you know, just different. Um, I also really liked uh, the presentation of like the music and the mute, the little music video that they showed where uh, you just kept hearing like money every now and then money and the new look, all of that was great. Um, for me, I thought this was definitely a hit because it also got people talking. There was a lot of people that were, you know, some people that maybe even just tuned in just to watch her. You never know. Everybody has different uh, viewing patterns, etc. So for me, I had to put this on my top three best of the list. And I and I know some people were talking shit about it, but um, I feel that all this other stuff that I mentioned, like Trump, some of the arguments that people were making against it. So the only argument against it that I feel even has any validity was uh, Kyrie taking the finisher. And uh really there was just clearly a miscommunication there because Kyrie lands on her knees before she's supposed to and then i think even in realizing it she then like kind of oversells to compensate and it didn't look great um other than that i don't know what else anybody can say i know that she was of course being watched by a lot more people than the normal wrestle kingdom audience has and so there were a lot of non new japan viewers who don't necessarily understand what a reaction is in new japan all right they're used to music hitting and a pop and chants and that's just not the tokyo dome crowd um that's not what they do that's not how they necessarily react you're going to get kind of applause and oohs and ahs but uh it's also an audience that as, as phil Lindsay likes to point out isn't accustomed to having women's wrestling featured on the big stage and so there's a lot of things to consider here when thinking about how monumental of a moment this was for Mercedes Monet. Um, and the, uh, I think watching it through a WWE lens, it is hard not to watch it through that lens because for her fans, that's all they've ever seen uh, Sasha Banks as. And so I understand that aspect of it. But there's just a piece of me that's like, you, you kind of have to look at this through the New Japan lens and recognize what she accomplished and what her goal was. And I think she very much pulled that off. I was, I don't know how I feel about the music yet. So, of course. I liked um, it. I thought it was it, very, it was, it was, how do I say it? It was very, I don't know what the word is, but it felt very like modern type of deal. Well, see, like I, if I, I think. Walked in, if I walked into a fashion show. And the runway music hit. This is a song that I would expect to have so like models it, walking it down. Was a, like that. It was kind of a, I guess, interpolation, a, a way to put it, of Jump by Criss Cross, which in itself samples um, Jackson 5, I Want You Back, and um, Funky Worm by Ohio Players. And so in that sense, it's using kind of those same samples. Look, I've mentioned on two podcasts already this week, massive Criss Cross fan. Grew up on crisscross. Styled myself after crisscross. Only reason I didn't wear my clothes backwards in when I was that age was because I would have been looked at as an idiot and I, I wasn't a, a 
hip hop star like Criss Cross was. But anyway, point being, um, so as soon as I heard the beat, it still popped me, right? I'm still like, oh shit, like this is kind of cool. On the other side of that, I thought I had heard rumors and those rumors might still be true. So I'm not going to necessarily put that out there, but there is some stuff floating around about um, some mainstream artists that uh, Mercedes may be working with to get a new theme done. And Snoop Dogg? No, it actually wasn't Snoop. Um, but the... <laughs> I love that that was my first assumption, Snoop Dogg. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not. Uh, but there's... And so I, I guess I was expecting... I guess something a little more complete and this felt a little uh underdone in my opinion like half finished for sure yeah yeah it didn't necessarily feel like a completed product and so uh i'm curious what she ends up with long term or if this is the long-term theme i don't know uh but either way this is a big moment it's a big moment in women's wrestling to have a big debut like that for a uh top female superstar on a major show that traditionally hasn't featured women in that capacity i think was a big deal it was a monumental deal and i thought it was a good moment too this was the moment that honestly i was kind of thinking about the entire day uh this was good this is very good all righty well the moment has come will uh it is time for your uh third best of the week and you seem very torn about it so i am torn concerned here because there's your hearts because there's two things i had to leave off the list to give this its credit but you know what okay uh, go with what you personally like the most versus what you think you have to put on this list Go with your gut, man. No, Go it's not even heart. what I have to put on this list. Like, I love this, and I feel like I'm leaving off two things that I uh, very much also loved. But you know what? I have to give credit where it's due because I was all smiles through this. I don't know how many people out there watched Battle of the Belts this week, but the opening match on Battle of the Belts saw the acclaimed defending their tag titles against Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal is a combination that I know when people hear that, they groan, they eye roll. They're like, why are these guys getting tag title shots? I don't want to see them. And you know what? That makes every single aspect of what they've done with the acclaimed that much better. Everything about this has been a home run to me. From, uh, I thought, first off, going back, Sanjay's rap at the, uh, at the acclaimed was good. The acclaimed's comeback was easily Max Caster's most talked about rap to the point of where it caused the firestorm with Karen Jarrett on Twitter. It caused the firestorm with Jeff Jarrett on his podcast. Like everything that this feud shouldn't have been, it has been. Um, and then I think we've gotten the most kind of jaw dropping lines from Max Caster out of all of this. On Wednesday, they had a match and Literally, the moment you saw Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal, and they did a fake-out finish that gave Aubrey Edwards her moment in front of the Seattle crowd. But the moment you saw Jeff Jarrett with Jay Lethal, look at me, wrestling world, you know, because I certainly did, you know you had think pieces ready. You were ready to write an entire think piece about how the tag team division in AEW is dead. Can't believe they let Jeff Jarrett come in here and do this. Like, you were ready. And that's how you're supposed to feel about pro wrestling, right? And so we get to Battle of the Belts. And this match 
was just off the charts fun and everything it needed to do it did jeff jarrett has honestly been having the most refreshing run i think of his career i think that uh it's he's got so much heat people do not want to see him they're getting all of these flashbacks of oh my god wcw jeff jarrett was the worst and the only thing that could be worse than that is tna jeff jarrett i don't want to see jeff jarrett he's way past his prime he's over the hill uh he annoys me i don't want to see this guy on my tv and it's making for some of the biggest reactions the acclaimed could possibly get but i wish i was just talking about jeff jarrett I thought Jay Lethal plays his part in these matches well. Sanjay Dutt's a lot of fun. Him putting on the referee shirt and but keeping the pencil intact was hilarious. And then you know who honestly surprises me in everything he does here? Satnam mother effing Singh. He is actually very good here. And him double, uh, him hitting the, the choke slam on Mike Posey. Um, and my thought at that moment was like, Mike Posey never works TV. He only you only ever see Mike Posey do dark or elevation. Uh, but for the most part, he works behind the scenes in certain things. And so when he ran out, even Chris Jericho notes on commentary, oh, Mike Posey, you never see him on TV. And I thought, why is Mike Posey here refing? That is a little weird. And then when he took the bump from uh, Satnam Singh, I thought, oh, duh, no one else was going to do that. Uh, but, but otherwise, this was great. Everything about this was great. Aubrey Edwards, again, had a big moment in the match. She got to really pop the Pacific Northwest crowd again. Uh Portland as a whole was a great crowd pretty much the entire night. And on top of that, the acclaimed got the win. They got a really feel good win. Um, shout out to Max Caster also applying the ankle lock to Jeff Jarrett and Jeff selling it like death. Uh, Jeff Jarrett, you know, you would have thought he was in a freaking bear trap that entire time. He was selling it like crazy. Uh, and considering the context of all of that being Kurt Angle's move, whew, I loved all of this. This was great. Uh, I had to make sure this got its due, and I feel sad for the other things they had to remove from the list, but this was excellent. Okay, so I do not blame you whatsoever because uh, – so one of the things that I was talking about on my Friday show was that, you know, I sat through, you know, clearly two hours of SmackDown, uh, one hour of Rampage, and then an additional hour of Battle of the Bouts. So for me, I actually thought Battle of the Bouts was the best out of everything that I watched that whole day because I felt that the show kind of gave us a little bit more. Now, I'm going to be honest, like, I was just like, you know, so-so really about the card. I didn't really care too much about the card that was announced, but I did feel um, so much of it delivered. Uh, given this match was definitely one of them because I feel this was the match that like really got people like into it. And there was a lot that happened. This could have easily been just like a convoluted, hot freaking mess that could have completely <laughs> flopped but it was actually pretty damn entertaining and everybody played their parts very well now will i don't know um what your take was when jeff jarrett first came into aw but i remember being one of the few people that defended the idea of jeff jarrett being in I do AEW. Recall. Yeah, you did and i got so much shit for that will i said this on my show i'm like i didn't even read the comments that week on my youtube channel uh, on the f4w youtube channel i'm like no way everyone's just going to be talking shit to me because I said that I was actually excited to see Jeff Jarrett and I didn't realize how many people did not want to see Jeff Jarrett I remember when I tweeted it out and I forgot what exactly it was that I tweeted uh, something about you know Jeff Jarrett being an AEW and all the comments were like the majority of them were just 
ripping it to shreds. Now, I will say this, though, not every week has been perfect. And even afterwards, you can kind of tell that they were uh, kind of keeping uh, the, the appearances for Jeff Jarrett were a little bit minimal, right? Like they started off, it was like, bam, here he is. The next week he came out, had another promo. Then afterwards, they kind of reduced the time that we were seeing him on screen. And then, you know, we came back and, you know, we got all of this and what we got last week. And all of this other stuff has been entertaining. But I know for the most part, a lot of what, uh, you know, Satnam Singh and Jay Letho and Sanjay Dutt were doing prior, it wasn't necessarily things that people wanted to see featured on their TV. This was something where there was a lot of people complaining with, we don't want to see the Ring of Honor stuff here on AEW television. And I do think that Jeff Jarrett has added so much to this because Here's the thing, like you just mentioned it right now. He's so good at getting the heat from people, but also managing to make it very uh, entertaining. It's not, to me, the heat that Jeff Jarrett gets is not go away heat, at least not for me. It may be for some other people, but not for me. I find this shit entertaining. Now, when it comes to Satnam Singh, I haven't been a fan of Satnam Singh. Like, anything that he's done, uh, his debut into AEW still gives me PTSD. Like, every time the lights come I was down, there I'm that like, night, by the oh, way. Oh, God. Oh, I feel so bad for you because when the lights went down, I'm like, ooh, what's going to happen? And then Satnam whole Singh comes out and I'm like, huh? So now, anytime the lights go down in AEW, I'm thinking to myself, oh, God, what are they going to do? Like, I don't get excited. I just think, oh, God, don't fuck up the show, you know? I don't get excited anymore with that because of the Satnam Singh debut. Anyways, so the point is um, here they actually made, you know, pretty good use of him taking the chair shot and all of that. Um, and this worked out fine. I love seeing, uh, you know, obviously the raps with the line about uh, Jeff Jarrett being worse than Vince McMahon. That was something that was kind of funny. Uh, the music video that had they had done previously with the lines about um, – uh, just everything that, you know, stealing Kurt's wife and this and that and everything that they mentioned there uh, was good stuff. So for me, this has been working out so much better than uh, I think a lot of people previously anticipated. So, yeah, I put it on the list. All right. It's time for number two. Um, here we go. Also, just a heads up, guys, a friendly reminder, if you do want to get your question, your comment, or your statement read on the show, you're more than welcome at any point to send in a super chat, and we will make sure to read those here today. But now, let's get into um, my second best of the week. And my second best is going to go um, to Samoa Joe versus Darby Allen for the TNT title. Uh, this is definitely something that I have to put up here one second uh this is something that i have to put on this because you know obviously we'd seen samoa joe and darby uh previously and samoa joe just went out there and he freaking killed darby ellen and it was so much fun to watch and then we get this match again and we kind of get these a little bit of the uh, you know, a lot of similarities where Samoa Joe goes out there and beats the living life out of Darby. Not as much, obviously, as he did last time, because this time we did end up seeing Darby get the win. But this match was incredibly entertaining because I just, you can really tell that Samoa Joe has a great time working with Darby because he just, he like, Darby's not afraid to take all these crazy-ass bumps. Like, so many bumps that he takes during this match this match with Samoa Joe, it's nuts. Uh, the steel step spot, the spot where he, like, tosses them into the post. Like, little things like that, it just hits extra harder than, you know, some of the other guys do, right? So, not only do you get a really fun match uh, here to the point where there was a moment where they even showed a shot of, like, the crowd. And the crowd is legitimately just, like, 
um, you know, very concerned. There was a shot of this woman who was just like looking like Darby was about to die in the ring. Uh, so I thought that they did really good in terms of getting like the human emotion involvement in all of this. And then um, Darby obviously getting the win in his hometown. That was a really nice moment. It felt like a really big celebration having Sting go out there, confetti drop and everyone's so happy. Uh, you can't help but to feel happy for somebody who gets a moment like this, you know, in their career in general. So fun match entertaining match with a good moment in the end. It had to be on my top three. I agree. Uh, I think that uh, one Darby was honestly my favorite TNT champion. I think that his run of just having these kind of banger matches um, and taking on all challengers was so good. Um, like obviously Cody still gets the, the nod as far as the most monumental one because it has introduced so many people. But I think as far as having just these solid defenses against people on the roster and proving that he could go with anybody, Darby's TNT title run is up there. And he never got to have it in front of the fans uh, because that was a pandemic era thing. And so um, I said all that to say that I was excited to see him win the belt back, to get it in his hometown, to kind of get to be the face, you know, AEW has a number of Seattle talents. They've got Swerve, they've got uh, Brian Danielson, they've got Aubrey Edwards, but the person who really got the focus was uh, their homegrown guy in Darby. And so that was a really, really cool moment for him to get to win the title. I also want to shout out the fact that his defense immediately after against Mike Bennett uh, was also really good. I've been a big proponent of Mike Bennett, one, because he's a friend of mine, and I should probably disclose that because people kind of know that uh but also just the fact that i'm really big on all of his boston strong style stuff i think that um that has really been a overlooked thing from 2022 and 2021 that he's really gotten to showcase for himself and to finally get to go out there with darby uh in front of a really solid portland crowd I thought that was a really cool thing for him. I think he's the right choice to be champion right now. And I think if they can just kind of give him this banger stretch of matches, uh, really until I imagine they put the belt on Hobbs is my guess at Revolution, because that's in Hobbs' hometown. And you can kind of see how AEW likes to reward hometown people. Um, and so I would guess that's where the Book of Hobbs stuff is going. But for now, if you that's two months from now. You could go every week giving Darby some solid defenses with this belt and really reminding us of what he does and also shout out to darby for bringing the old tnt title back i i posted this on twitter but he did have the old mirror finish belt back and that was the one that he introduced after uh brody passed away and they retired the red belt um and they've had the diamond studded one since but i like that darby kind of has one that's like associated with him that's kind of cool so i'm happy with all of this this was good stuff all righty. Well, let's press on. Will, what is your second best of the week? My second best of the week. And by the way, I'm glad you said that, what your number two was, because that was what I knocked off at my number three. And <laughs> oh, okay. it was, uh, there was a huge relief for me. I was like, oh, it was said. Thank you. <laughs> We're going to turn to Rampage. Rampage opened up with the Blackpool Combat Club versus Top Flight. Top Flight, I don't know what's being planned for Top Flight, but it feels like something because they keep tangling these guys up 
with the Blackpool Combat Club, and it keeps delivering. Last week they had a match with uh, John Moxley and Claudio. This week they faced John Moxley and Brian Danielson. I thought the match with Claudio was very good. I was also there for that. But this match, this was just off the charts great. I thought that Brian Danielson and uh, John Moxley, I forget how great of a team these guys are when they get to work together, but seeing Top Flight go in there and hang with them the way that they have and the way that they keep coming up with new ways to... uh, to test and take the Blackpool Combat Club to the limit is just really, really exciting stuff. They're really doing a great job, I think, getting the fans behind them because they're putting them in positions where the fans shouldn't be getting behind them. They're against like top baby faces. Brian Danielson and John Moxley are top baby faces. But the fact that each match has ended with top flight looking better and better and better, uh, is just remarkable. And this particular match I thought was the best one that they've had. Uh, Darius has gotten to really, really show out and show that he can hang the fact that he's had these kind of really dramatic kick out moments. And, uh, and of course, Dante, um, you know, Dante had like one little mishap in the previous match and it felt like he got to make up for that and, and put forward again, just a a much better showing than he had had before. And the other showing was really good too, but I just, I keep coming away from these going, God, top flight. It's going to be a moment when they win the tag titles and they're getting closer and closer to just having such a good major victory, but putting them out there like this again, I don't know what the plan is, but it's working, whatever it is, the way that the fans keep getting behind top flight. And for Darius to have been out as long as he was, you know, he got to come in for a few months uh, with Dante, then he got injured uh, and he was out for all those months. He came back right before Revolution and then right after Mania got in that car accident and he was out again. And he's just had this unfortunate string of luck. And I've just wanted to see these guys succeed as a tag team. And now that he's back, we're getting to see it again. <laughs> and uh, I, I don't know where that moment comes because the acclaimed is so hot. But at some point, I think Dante and Darius are going to win those tag titles. It's clear that people like them. It's clear that people want to work with them. Them being up against the Blackpool Combat Club has just been wonderful for them. And they look like that's the big thing here is that they look legit and they look like badasses being able to hang with such an aggressive style from John Moxley, such an aggressive style from Claudio, and such an aggressive style from uh, Brian Danielson. Been great stuff. I love it. Blackpool Combat Club and Top Flight gets it from me on Rampage. All right. So in regards to this one here, it was so for me, and this was something that I kind of felt honestly. So in the beginning of this, I didn't really kind of, you know, the, the last thing that you said where you said that uh, top flight was, you know, looking like they can hang in there with obviously with the BCC and, you know, mentioning that aggressive style uh, that John Moxley and Brian Danielson work prior to all of this. If you would have told me like, OK, this is what we're getting. I really would not as much as I like top flight. I really wasn't going to see them, uh, you know, being able to go in there and do this aggression, this type of match with uh 
with Moxley and Danielson. Realistically, I wasn't really going to buy it, okay? And even when this match was announced, I was like, okay, fine, cool, you know, whatever. And I really I really didn't really care too much prior to about it. I really did not Honestly, care that it. was Rampage okay? and, and Battle of the Belts all together, by the way. Like, the whole card, <laughs> that's how I felt. Every single match that was announced, I'm like... Yeah, okay, fine. Okay, and then there is this one thing that I do feel like sometimes AEW does too much of, where certain times they do too many of the near falls where sometimes it's not believable with certain matches and certain guys. And I've talked about this, you know, on past matches and past shows. So with all of that being said, when this match started off, it went from a point where I was like, okay, this is fun. And then it was just kind of like levels where I was like, okay, now I'm really interested in this. And by the end of this match, I was a bigger top flight fan than I was prior to this. Prior to this, honestly, I was like, all right, they seem like nice guys. They're, they're pretty entertaining, cool, but that's about it. I wasn't gonna consider myself a fan by any means. Um, this match here made me into a top flight fan because I think that you have to work really hard to be in a match like this with these guys who've already seen it, been there, done it all uh, in wrestling and are, you know, at a, just a different level in their careers and all of that. Uh, you have to go in there and you have to work really hard to make people like me who are maybe not going to buy it so much and are maybe not going to be able to suspend their disbelief that much. For me, I thought that Top Flight did a really good job at this. There were a lot of moments where I thought, holy fuck, you know what? I can actually buy this. This is entertaining. And and so for me, they the way that they worked this match, the, everything that they did, the presentation of it all made me buy more into Top Flight. And to me, at the end of the day, isn't that the whole purpose of this match? And that's that's exactly what I was saying. When I say it's working, the fact that it worked for you, the fact that yeah. you walked away from this going, okay, hmm. I, yeah, I, I like Top Flight more. <laughs> that tells me that what they're doing with Top Flight is successful and... I, I'm proud of seeing that. I, I've i mentioned before, I like Darius a lot. Um, and he's a really, really nice, I don't want to say kid because that sounds condescending. Um, but he also is 13 years younger than me, so how can I not? Um, but <laughs> Wait, how old are they? I don't even know how old they are. So Dante is only 21 and Darius is 23. Like they are... I know, right? They're kids. They're kids. They're, <laughs> They're kids. kids. They're kids. Liter literally, I'm going to tell a quick story. First time I ever met Darius Martin um was in a definite adult setting oh. and i asked him where dante was and he was like well dante can't get in because he's not old enough <laughs> that was you were like oh yeah huh yeah i was oh, like shit. i was i didn't even consider that because yeah. these are guys i see on tv all the time and yeah just talking with darius and he's like yeah you know dante can't get in he's not old enough and i it's like, damn, they didn't even consider that he's under 21. And this was like a year ago. See, this and... puts it into perspective a lot better now because I'm uh -huh. like, you know, looking at this and obviously they are kids, okay? So that's how I saw them heading into this match, like as kids, like, yeah, talented kids, but kids nonetheless. Yeah. So to see them like, you know, like do what they did and actually make it somewhat like believable, I thought was pretty fun. Like in that case to me, it just adds to it. It still blows my mind how young they are. When they said, when they first came in and they were like, yeah, we grew up watching the Young Bucks. And I went... Oh, you sure did. Oh, oh. Damn. <laughs> like, damn. Yeah, I suppose if the Young Bucks. Oh, like, shit. I, I know, right? That. They were. Bro, I was watching the Young Bucks when they were in PWG and AWS back in the day. Right. And so think about the top flight would have been like 
10, 11 at that time, right? Like that's, they're kids. And <laughs> so it, it it is pretty amazing that they are where they are and they've Hold got on, so much more to go. I remember like those days I was like, I was a teen. I was a teenager around that time. So now like, oh my God, I just realized I'm old. Oh, come on. I Here I am 35. Like, no, I'm depressed because I really just thought I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, in my mind, I'm like, oh, yeah, PWG, AWS. That wasn't too long ago. Now that I think about it, wait, it actually kind of was a long time ago. <laughs> OK, yes. now I'm just depressed. Thanks. Um, but I think that just kind of shows like, you know, I'm excited for here. Here's the thing, too. They need what are we constantly talking about? Will having to build stars and make stars and build teams and this and that. How else are they going to get started doing that other than doing stuff like this with what they're doing with top flight, things that they've done with the acclaimed? Um, I don't know. What if down the line we see, I don't, I don't even know anymore, but I'm excited. There you yes. go. Thumbs up. I'm glad you put this on your list. Andrew A sends in a super chat. Thank you so much to Andrew who says, I'm excited to go to the Fresno show revolution and the Sacramento show. What storyline can you predict that maybe happens around revolution? Ooh, well, you're really good at this. What's your insight? <laughs> what, can, what, um, do you, what do you foresee in the future? Okay. Uh, what do you think MJF the, will be still at this point? You think he'll still be with feuding I with mean, Brian Danielson? They, for well, sure? they announced Brian. Oh, yeah, and, that's right. I forgot. Yeah, duh. yeah they've got the, the Iron whole Man stipulation. But, yeah, they've got I an Iron Man. Match. Everything they announced on uh, Wednesday. <laughs> duh. Uh, Ignore uh, that. So I am definitely of the belief. Um, Keith Lee will be back by that point, and we'll probably see Swerve versus Keith Lee at that show. I am also fully of the belief that uh, I think that show will probably be the breaking point for Britt and um, Jamie. Jamie. So I think that's six. I feel like they've been doing a really slow burn with that. I know. Like, well, it'll culminate that... this 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 um. Do you think it'll like this Wednesday that it'll finally be like, okay, this is it. Like, this is what we're moving on with next for them. I think we'll start to see some seeds planted for it. Although as seeds have already been planted though, as a while back. Right. Well, and you know, what's interesting is that they're already kind of planting some other seeds that seem like a way bigger picture. And me and Sean talked about this on Wednesday uh, on day after dynamite. But the fact that, the way that Sheeta wasn't picked by Soraya and she was kind of offended by it, there's almost an underbrewing of a story in the women's division of the AEW homegrown women versus the women who kind of came in. And like the fact that Soraya didn't pick the homegrown star in Sheeta, the one who's been there laying the foundation since the beginning, she picked. Tony Storm, who came from she WWE. Did that since day one. Yeah. And, and so thinking about how Britt cut that promo on Soraya back before Full Gear about how, like, you calling this your house, but I laid the bricks for this house. This is my house. And they kind of do have a bit of a story they can tell there of all of those AEW original women versus the women they've signed. And there actually is a bit of a legitimate reason for the women they've signed to have some anger against the women who are now taking their spots there is a story to tell there that hasn't necessarily there's really no let me think about this in the hit like that's an old story of course we've seen that in men's wrestling a lot but in women's we haven't really seen that story before because there hasn't really been kind of a um 
an influx in that same way. And so I would like to kind of see how that plays out because, again, pick your sides, right? You don't even have to have a heel versus face in that uh, in that dynamic because some fans really did resonate with what Britt had to say back before Full Gear. Some fans would resonate with, well, no, I grew up with Soraya. Uh, these are my stars. These are the ones I know, and I love that they're here adding eyes to AEW. There's actually a story you could tell there. Revolution could be the place to really bring that to a head as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, look, I, I feel like if you're in that part of California, you've kind of got a lot, uh, the California is getting a lot of pro wrestling coming up here, just period. About time, got, we deserve it, Will. <laughs> we deserve like, it, okay? I'm tired of, I'm, everything's always happening in the East Coast. I'm sick of it. Yeah, I, you're going to Dynamite this Wednesday, uh, in LA. And then, yeah, there's a Fresno show the week later. There's Revolution, of course, in uh, San Francisco. But then also Dynamite and Rampage are in San Francisco that week. Sacramento the week after that. WrestleMania is going to be in L.A. as well. I forgot how close. You messaged me yesterday and you were like, what are your plans for Revolution? In my mind, Revolution's still like five months away. No, you're seven weeks away. So what the? F <laughs> like this is going too fast. Like it. Like I. T I texted you back, and I'm like, I have put zero thought into my plans for revolution because in my mind, it's still so so far away. <laughs> All right. Um, I was gonna ask you a question, and now I completely okay. Um, I feel like we have to talk about this really quickly, just because you brought up the dynamite show, and that is uh, Mercedes. Uh-huh. <laughs> Where are you at on that? What is your percentage now? And also, yeah, I want to start off with that. I do have a follow-up question. First, I need to hear your response for this, though. Um, I have fallen down to about 60. Uh, <gasps> and, uh-huh. Uh, William Washington. I know, right? I you're, you're disappointing the people. I know. That's the thing. I, people have been asking me, literally, I said yesterday, if I mute the word percentage, my notifications would die because at that point, uh, nobody would, I, I wouldn't have any mentions anymore. Um, but I recognize, well, I'm just kind of still trying to read the tea leaves on it all. Uh, I will say asking around at AEW, um, I, I'm still getting met with too much silence to think it's a no. Um, that obviously I have made the point before that if I literally even tweeted right now, if I tweeted right this second, Hey guys, I've heard a rumor that the rock is coming into AEW. My inbox within five minutes would be filled with where the fuck did you hear that? That is an absolute not true thing. Um, and then I would of course delete it or tweet. Well, I got some bad information, but regardless, no chance that uh, that's how quick AEW is to shut down rumors that they know would set up false expectations. So then just put it out there. Sasha Banks for sure. It's <laughs> <Mercedes laughs> for sure going to be at AEW Dynamite and then you'll get an answer. Well, so that's the thing is, I mean, everybody has seen my percentage stuff. Like I have even just talking to AEW people, they'd be like, ha 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 percentage and like they they know the shtick as well and so uh help Soraya even tweeted about percentages uh, and I said that to you and I thought of course she did um and so with all of that said again I'm not being met with any no's uh and that is the part that I'm still like whew, 
So something's happening, but I don't know what. And what's interesting is how much Tony Khan likes to operate on technicalities, right? Which is why I've been very smart about whenever I ask, I do not use the word Sasha Banks because he could very much easily just be like, no, Sasha Banks is not coming into AEW. And that'd be a correct statement, right? Um, and because <laughs> I think back to 2021, right? And how the story had come out that CM Punk had signed with AEW and Tony Khan denied it. But the reason he denied it is because Tony, because CM Punk did not sign a contract until he showed up the first night there, right? So, like, on that technicality, Tony Khan was able to shut that down and be like, no, he didn't sign. Same with when Cassidy Haynes dropped the story about Brian Danielson, but Cassidy forgot he worded it as Brian Danielson has signed with AEW. Brian Danielson didn't sign till All Out. So, technically, untrue statement. So, I've been very careful about my questioning, and all of them have been met with silence. Uh, and... That is a very interesting thing. I have not been met with a no, and there have been certain people high up in AEW that don't know. They've been like, I don't know. And uh, the fact that they're the type of people who should know tells me that there's some smoke to that fire. But the reason I downgraded was because right now, this is something I would personally, if I were a promoter, be using to sell tickets. It's the very next show coming up. And uh, with no other shows left for AEW to really drop anything else, they're not using it to sell tickets. Even though just the rumor alone, I think, has pushed a lot of tickets. They've sold, I think it was 800 tickets since New Japan. Um, and that tells me that there's a lot of people at least thinking that's what it's going to be. Uh, so I saw a question in the chat about how, um, asking, did I get to ask my question to AEW? No, I did not. And the reason I didn't was because, uh, some key people in AEW were tied up with a certain Jacksonville Jaguars victory yesterday. And so I thought, you know what? Nobody's even thinking about this right now. I'm uh, not going to bother with this question right now, but I have a question that would change the percentage if I got an answer on it. And so I What's won't repeat. What's the question? I, I can't. I'll tell you after the show. But okay. uh, I do have one question that would alter the percentage if I got an answer on it. But otherwise, that's where I'm at is I'm at about 60. I'm still thinking it's likely. And I'm still thinking that the match was not announced without her in mind. I just don't know what it's going to be at this point. Um, there is still the factor that Sheeta did tweet that she was at Rampage this week. But she did not do anything at Rampage. She did not take the dark match. She didn't do anything. And that leads me to wonder, was something filmed? Okay. Andrew A. sends in a super chat saying Adam Cole returns in the Bay Bay area. That's good. I like that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Do you know what? I just recently watched. Uh, it was the first episode from of Dynamite from August, I want to say. I think it was in Columbus, Ohio. But that was the last time we saw Adam Cole in AEW um, was that show. And it surprises me that it's really been that long, literally August. And that was when they kicked the Young Bucks out of the Undisputed Elite. Uh, I can't believe it's been that long since we've heard his music, any of that stuff. Uh, I am actually kind of ready for Cole to come back. I don't know how ready he is. I've heard some rumors, but... Uh, Are the rumors good or bad? Uh, they're actually pretty good. They're, uh, some people think that he'll be back really soon, that 
Uh, but I don't see where you slot him in. That's that's where I'm still. Like, do you just go with the elite feud? Um, is that where you would put him? I don't know. Well, you got to think about it. Uh, you know what happens after the uh, after the sev- the best of seven series is over. Right. Like I was thinking House of Black, but they're like still tied up with Eddie Kingston, and that doesn't seem like yeah. that's coming to an end anytime soon. No. So um, I don't know. Uh, and I see people asking about Kyle O'Reilly in the chat. I will say that he just tweeted today yeah. about uh, his, or it was Instagram, I believe it was, but he's he's got a long way to go. He's got a severe neck injury. Um, he's going to get back in the ring. That's still the plan. There's nothing stating that it's a career-ending injury, but it's going to be a while with him in his neck. Ryan Largen sends in a super chat saying women's uh, women's tag double turn on Wednesday. Sheeta joins TDMD. Um, my whole prediction on this was if 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 Mercedes is coming in, my whole prediction was uh, Sheeta attacks Tony Storm. Like that was my whole prediction. You yeah, know, I, I think she can attack Tony Storm without joining Team DMD. Do right. not ha- like Sheeta and Britt have to stay kind of career rivals. Uh, her joining team dmd would make no sense whatsoever if anything i think Sheeta would need to form her own team because Sheeta is a leader not a follower i wouldn't do that in any way shape or form no fucking way sheldon jackson sends in a super chat saying adam cole's original group the kingdom versus the elite feud i actually think that's why the kingdom was brought in that's and I mean, that's the thing, too, like they brought in the kingdom, but we haven't even really seen that much of them. So they've got to do something with them eventually. Uh, I think they're pretty much being held at bay till Cole's ready. Um, and the fact that they come out to that remix of Something For You, which was Adam Cole's Ring of Honor theme music, uh, I, I think the hints have kind of been there the whole time. Thank you so much to Sheldon Jackson. All right. And where are we at now with uh, We're our at our list. worst. We're at our worst now. Okay. Okay. Here we go. It is now time for our worst of the week. Uh, do you want to go first, Will, or am I going first? Who's going first here? Uh, you go first, but we may be the same on this one. So Is it Vince McMahon? <laughs> yes, it's Vince McMahon. <laughs> <laughs> I had a feeling. I'm like, there's no way that you and I are not going to pick uh-huh. Vince McMahon. Yeah. Worst right, of the well- week. I mean, this could be worst of the year, but worst of the week, Denise. It says year um, oh, at the shit. bottom. You know what? <laughs> Well, I just woke up, okay? My brain's not fully <laughs> developed just yet. <laughs> okay? I, I just saw worse, and I was I'm clicking on it. Where? Okay, here. Will number... No, that's number one. We have so many. I can't even find... Oh, I can't even find our... Na- okay, here we go. There you go. Will's yes. pick, worst of the week. Denise's pick, worst of the week. Oh, God. There's a lot of things. Uh, there's a lot of reasons for this being the worst. Um... Never mind the fact that uh, Vince being back. Actually, no. The, the, the part that makes this the worst. Because I can look past the fact that, you know, they, they've said that he's not going to be involved in management, creative, anything around the operational side of WWE. And you're is, believing that? Nobody's this is totally believing about that. No, I, I don't believe that at all. Um, that I don't think he can resist. I said on City yesterday that my core prediction is that he books WrestleMania. Um, that, that, that is, that he'll inch his way in until by WrestleMania, he is booking that show. Uh, that is my thought there. What's your prediction as far as that's concerned? How soon? 
Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm already riding on one really good prediction. That's oh, you are you. Yeah, no, that's the Dude, thing that is we have to give you viral. props. But yeah, uh, we have to give you all the props in the world. You, I know. When that happened, I was like, no. <laughs> and then everybody started sending me comments like, Denise, you freaking put this like out there. I was like, Man. and then there were some funny jokes that people were making, like, oh, Vince watches Denise's YouTube channel. <laughs> I was like, oh yes, Vince McMahon, the avid YouTube watcher for sure. <laughs> I mean, so the hard thing is if you look at all of the dates on the the letters that were sent back and forth between the board and Vince McMahon. If you go to the original letter of Vince's intent to return, the interesting thing about said letter is that that goes hand in hand with the original rumor that he was looking at coming back, which means that that wasn't a rumor necessarily at the time as much as that was actually a fact. He had already pursued coming back at that point, and that leaked to the Wall Street Journal. I think that was as comfortable as wor of wording as they could put it, but the wheels were already in motion at that point for Vince to return. So that's uh, a little piece that I do find interesting. And then same with the idea that the response from the board was that there's information uh, that, you know, we don't want this, that it's, we don't think it's good for the company and there's information that's not public yet. And that letter was sent, I think on December 10th, which coincides with when the Wall Street Journal dropped the latest allegations against Vince McMahon. So, the biggest issue here, sorry, I just realized there's like something on the tip of my nose, but um, the biggest issue to me, of course, is the fact that none of these allegations went away. None of it was proven false. Vince McMahon is just literally back. Um, the man, and again, why would he see a problem here, of course? Because he was a sex pest the entire time he was in the company. So why would, why would anything need to change in that regard? Uh, as far as him stepping away, this was the way he operated. So I can see from his perspective, nothing's changed. And also from his perspective, I'm a fucking billionaire. I don't have to do anything about any of this. But I also see from the company's perspective, man, what a bad message that sends. That there is no ramifications for uh, any actions taken against the female employees and talent of that company. Right. Um, when it comes from the top. So that's why this gets worse for me. Never mind the fact that he could uh, possibly get in back into creative. Never mind the fact that uh, the show has kind of moved on without him. None of that to me is a bigger deal than the fact that after everything that has come to light, he basically rewrote the bylaws to force himself back in to command the media rights deal and the potential sale of the company. And you know, this is really just a way for him to like get one foot into the pool so that he can, you know, eventually get completely in there. And like you said, uh, I'm not expecting him, like maybe not today, maybe not this week, but I'm expecting him to eventually take over, uh, you know, what Triple H has been doing with creative and all of that. Uh, I feel like this was just a way for him to be like, oh yeah, you guys, this is this was just his way, you know, back in, back in the door. And it's really all that he needed. And the way that this happened like so fast, I mean, it was like one day, you know, we're reading about him, the reports had already come out that he had wanted to come back, right? But then we got, you know, the uh, uh, Wall Street Journal put out the story, uh, what was it, January 6th, whatever, uh, January 5th, excuse me. And then the following day, it was like, oh, yeah, he's back on the board of directors. It was so quick when we got that one story and then the next story where it was just like, I personally feel that 
I, I, I feel that right now, um, Vince is acting like he's actually going to go through with this sale. I don't know if this is actually what's going to happen until maybe, I don't know, the end of the year. I feel he's going to stretch this as long as possible. And during that stretch of him avoiding, you know, selling WWE, he's going to, you know, again, slowly take over uh, what he wants to take over. And this is just, this was just his way in. This was just his way back in. The doors are open and now he's got something to grab a hold of. And that's it. I don't actually think he really truly intends on selling. And if he does, it's not going to happen like right now. It doesn't feel like it. I mean, they, they did just recently, you know, I, I know that they. I still, I think that's just, that's just, I don't actually buy it. I know that it happened, but I think it's just a way to kind of keep people thinking that it's going to happen. I, I do think that the sale happens, like a place to be holder. honest. I, I, no, I think yeah, that it's going to happen, but just not as soon as possible. I don't think. I think it's I, honestly, happen. my my prediction is that there's at least a suitor found in 2023. Uh, that is my I think by WrestleMania or not maybe by WrestleMania by SummerSlam. I think they do have a suitor. I don't think it closes till probably 20 uh, like end of 2024. But I think they do find a suitor by then. Um, and that's just my gut feeling on things. Uh, I think like I know that list of companies has been floating around as far as who could potentially be a buyer. I think there's way less validity to that than um, when you think about who would make the most sense as a buyer. I do think it's Comcast if it is, if there is a buyer, because I think that uh, that just fits their MO in terms of, because for Comcast, if they make the big spend on WWE, then at that point they lose the massive expenditure of having to spend on media rights for WWE because the media rights is WWE's, biggest source of income. As a matter of fact, if you can't, if you buy WWE and you're denied the media rights, game over. You don't, the WWE is worth like 50 bucks without the media rights. And uh, that's not true. That They obviously have a big, massive media library. But if you don't have that stream of income from uh, Peacock, from Fox, and from uh, USA Network, you don't have anything. Um, you don't have a money Which is exactly what, there were some operation. people... There were some people that were like, oh, yeah, the Saudis are going to buy it. I'm like, bruh, that's no, because without if, no, because I don't think that they would uh, like you mentioned the media rights. They wouldn't have any of that with the freaking uh, Saudis. Uh, taking yeah, they over. Would. No, I don't think they would. I, th I, I think they would. I think, I they, think they would. Absolutely I, don't think the so I don't think the networks would want to uh, would want to do that. If the uh, Saudis own it, no way. I mean, so, of course. It would have to be the Saudis owning it in kind of a name only kind of thing. Like obviously WWE wouldn't suddenly start operating um, under Saudi government rules, right? Like we wouldn't suddenly start seeing all the women in t-shirts and like all that stuff. I don't. I just think that. Um, but as a business venture, I could absolutely see them um, having the money in play here because all of a sudden that's a stream, a massive stream of income coming in. That would be the TV worst networks. possible thing that can happen. That to oh me, yeah, like, absolutely worst scenario possible i think it would kill the company yes uh so it, it's it's possible i think that uh as far as comcast is concerned obviously comcast would love to have wwe television without having to spend massive amounts of money um on a tv contract with them so basically making the one big purchase and then no longer having to uh pay them it TV me rights. nuts to think about the fact that the peacock played like what a billion dollars for that and they 
<laughs> they could have gotten a lot more bang for their buck. <laughs> right, if they basically own the company. But at that point, then, it's all just money to itself. Uh, and so I do think Comcast makes the most sense. I saw people mentioning Warner Brothers Discovery. Zero chance. I would honestly bet my house on Warner Brothers Discovery not buying. Yeah, how are you thinking that there's a better chance with the freaking Saudis buying it than freaking what? Well, they're both. I think they're both out of the question, but I think it's more so out of the question for the I mean, Saudis. I think I think Warner Brothers just thinking about the fact that their entire MO right now is cost cutting. They're not going to spend right. all that money on a major company that uh, I mean, unless what they're after is the revenue of um, the TV rights deals like spending the money on WWE and then, but like mathematically that doesn't make any sense, but I'm saying spending the money on WWE, but keeping WWE TV on USA network, keeping it on Fox and basically having a steady stream of income from NBC, uh, from NBC universal and from Fox. But again, that's probably not going to offset the amount of money it takes to purchase WWE. It doesn't make sense for Warner brothers discovery to own them at all. Uh, so to me, I think it, Comcast makes the most sense. I know I see Disney a lot. I don't see Disney in the sense that um, Disney doesn't necessarily have an infrastructure built remotely for professional wrestling right now. And uh, it would essentially be an entirely new venture for them Bro, to Disney's dive into. Bro, got the money to do an entirely new venture if they do wanted they, to. Do they have the desire to do that, speci that specific to. venture? the way Comcast has that infrastructure built already. They have all of this stuff on Peacock. They have, it's, they've been in the ecosystem of USA Network for a very long time. They've, uh, there's been talks over the last month that Fox may not even pick up SmackDown next, uh, next year and it may end up on NBC anyway. So then every show is in the Comcast wheelhouse anyway. That's pretty much my guess. I could see more so Comcast than anybody. That feels like the most realistic option yeah. just when you think about already what they have and what they can get. Uh, it does seem like the easiest option to go with for sure. Regardless, just like the fact that we're back here where it, it doesn't really feel like, you know, just, you know, even going to... I think we'll know like within Royal Rumble what the first going on in terms of <laughs> is Vince going to start running creative at that point? Is he not going to be running creative? I think by the time the Royal Rumble comes around, we're going to know. Wow, that's I a lot sooner than yeah, I Yeah, I, I really, but, I don't know. That's where I'm at. But you know what? Things like, have been moving so fast. Even when like Vince left, I remember thinking like right away, I'm like, yeah, he's done. He's out. And then he was. He was done and out for the most part. But then, mm. you know, fast forward to 2023 and the man is back. But uh yeah, to me, it feels like things have been moving a lot more rapidly than, uh, you know, than some of us might assume. Hero290 says, uh, Vincent Kennedy McMahon never left. It's mentioned in earlier in the chat. I mean, I, I, I've seen that belief a lot that he's, I, I made the joke on Grapsity yesterday that I could see him sitting at home like this with a headset on, like basically calling Monday Night Raw from the, his basement or something. But uh, <laughs> I... You know, I'm my, sure Vince my, McMahon has a way fancier basement than any one of us here. I, I did talk to a couple of wrestlers who are of the belief or who are concerned. And it's not about Vince that they're concerned about, but it is the, the main thing that goes hand in hand with the sale of any company, which is that whenever a company goes to sell, the first thing you got to do is trim the fat and make it more appealing to a buyer and trimming its expenditures. And that means trimming the roster. And so 
the the big concern of course is that's what everybody was thinking in 2020 when they did all of those massive releases right the the big thing that everybody was talking about was this looks like they're gearing to sell like the fact that they cut that many wrestlers that says that you're probably that was the big topic making it more attractive Yeah. yeah it was and so right now the way how it if they are gearing to sell I don't see them holding on to a lot of, I guess, needless contracts that they that they would see needless. Like, I could definitely I see to make some jokes, but I'll keep them to myself. <laughs> I was gonna say, if Vince was really this whole time, uh, you know, behind the scenes, you think some of, we would have seen some of the stuff that we've been seeing? Uh, no, that probably there's, not. I, I don't think a lot of people would have been resigned uh, if Vince was truly be uh, like working. But I could also see now. Unless they were just trying to fool us. I mean, I don't want to be a conspiracy. I was going to say signing Carrie and Cross to to, to own the marks is definitely like, okay, let's bring back these people. They'll for sure think that you're not here. Yeah. And shit, pal. Uh, I, I, but I do worry about some of those guys now. Um, I would definitely look if I were somebody like Dexter Loomis, I would be. You know, checking my emails every minute at this point. What about because... Regal? How do you think he's feeling right now? Uh, Given I I'm... know so far right now, from the looks of it, things are still okay. But I would be freaking worried, man. I mean, that VP position that he got is uh, a strong one for him. I don't necessarily know that he loses that per se. But Keep in mind again, he was ousted not too long ago. Right. Uh I think I would be concerned about the idea that of what Regal was brought in to do, which was, you know, scout talent again, start raiding the indies, things along those lines. Uh, I think I'd be concerned about that job just in the fact that WWE isn't really in a mode right now of needing to take on any huge new costs. I would be concerned if I were somebody like, Let's talk about the, the the MJFs in the room, right? The the FTRs, the guys who are bigger names outside who can command new huge contracts who would be coming up in a time period where WWE might not be looking to spend. Suddenly, or even guys that were kind of looking like they were teasing, you know, leaving AEW and going to WWE. I mean, let's not forget Tony Khan's little tongue-in-cheek tweet that he posted. Uh, there's mm-hmm. a lot of read between the lines on that one. Yeah, I mean, there is. Because, again, it's not so much. Because I think people are looking at it from the side of, um, well, why would wrestlers need to be concerned? Vince McMahon's not going to be a charge of creative. That's not the part to be concerned about. The part to be concerned about is WWE needing to cut costs. Uh, and not necessarily looking to spend a whole lot of money. Like suddenly, MJF doesn't really find himself in a huge position to to be able to demand that massive contract that, um, of course, most of that is gimmick anyway. But just thinking about the idea behind that doesn't exist as much as it did before. I think it, it, it's both. It's both things. It's not just the the cuts and all of that, but I do also think it's, it's creative as well, man. Like mm-hmm. there was more... 
even just like little interview tidbits that we've been getting from people where they would say like, yeah, you know, now this is a possibility. Look at Shinsuke. Well, you know what he got to do. And it's little things where it's like, yeah, these things were not going to happen under, you know, Vince McMahon. Like now you can kind of, there's a little bit more leeway. There's a little bit more of a possibility. Fuck. I was just talking about this on the last show where I said there was more hope with that was my number one pick for the year. There was, I I said, I had hope my hopes out the window. Now, remember I said that from now to the road of WrestleMania, this was my hope for triple. H to really get to see what he was going to bring to the table. And now that's completely wiped away. And here's another How thing. How on your own about. YouTube channel, by the way, did you make one prediction on one show and then on the other, like, but the best thing happening this year is Triple because H? Because I thought, okay, great. Like, this was my prediction. That was my wild prediction for 2023. Okay. I wasn't even sure that, you know, well, there was a lot of signs pointing to Vince doing this. Yeah. It's just personality, it's just reading someone's personality. What would they do in a situation like this? to get any sort of, you know, what they want back. It was right. The writings were on the wall. But even then, I still thought, okay, if this is going to happen, maybe it'll be down the road, like later, later on. I'm still looking forward to Triple H running creative from, um, from uh, you know, from now until WrestleMania. I thought that was going to be like a lock in there, but clearly not. Um, there was more that I wanted to say. Now I just lost my train of thought here. Where was I getting at? I was talking about something with who the fuck knows. Okay. The point is, <laughs> this is the worst. I know this is, Look, uh, th- there's a whole lot of hope lost in, yes, in this moment. There does feel like there's a lot of hope out outside the window right now, but also I am excited for the chaos that this is going to bring for 2023. <laughs> And I said that too, by the way, I said that on some show, maybe it might've even been that predictions video. I said I was ready for a chaotic 2023 and we've got it, man. We've got it. I know this week has been something. All right. Tim Gordon sends in a super chat saying Miro calling TK. Like, who did you want me to put over again? (laughs) (sighs) And the hard part was, the hard part about that story is that like the rumor is that it was Starks that he was supposed to put over and that that would have, you know, kind of helped catapult Starks to, to where he is now, rather than it being Ethan Page is who it ended up being. But, uh, and that actually kind of would have been cool for him. And I hate that it like didn't get to happen. I have a lot of thoughts about this. How do I say this? And I've been noticing this when there were certain people that were kind of, you know, a little bit of seeming like they weren't really wanting to be in AEW anymore. My big thing was, man, you know, will just putting myself in this position. If I wasn't happy in one job and I went to another place and they gave me an opportunity I would feel a huge sense of loyalty to that new opportunity that I got. Even if it wasn't perfect, I would still, you know, do my due diligence and do what the best I like, make the best of a situation that I can. Okay. If that includes, you know, maybe doing some things that, you know, maybe I'm not too crazy about, I would still do the job just to earn myself a, how do I say like more brownie points, whatever you want to call it, I would feel some sense of loyalty. So when there was this vibe where we were getting from certain guys where they were like, yeah, we'd go back to WWE and this and that. I'm like, where is the loyalty? I'm sorry, but there is a little bit of, 
So, I, I consider that a value. I consider loyalty a very strong value. And there were some cases that we were seeing these stories where I'm like, man, you're like, I get it. Like, I know you want to go back because, you know, Triple H is running things and this and that and your friends and all of that. And you feel you're going to be presented better. But there's got to be a little bit of some loyalty to uh, somebody that gave you an opportunity when you got released. So uh, I, I don't know that I necessarily agree with that. Just uh because at the end of the day you got to do what's best for you right um i do think that but you don't want to burn bridges no you don't want to burn, burn bridges but it's very do... important too and a lot of people forget about that it's like yeah okay this opportunity is better for me so i'm gonna go here now but it's like you're burning bridges along the way and you don't want to do that given how fast the landscape of pro wrestling yes. moves where it's like yeah one second your buddy's running thing but the next you know it could not be that way so you want to make sure you develop good relationships across the board well, and so the the one thing that I had a I'll tell you a story. I had an AEW wrestler tell me this once, um, and this particular wrestler was in WWE at one point. Now is in AEW, and I had asked them in a private conversation about um, how they felt about Hunter being back, and would that change their mind in terms of where they wanted to be right now, and they gave me a really, really good response. And one day I might interview this person and um, they can then say all of this publicly and you'll know who I was talking about. But what they said was, there are only so many spots in professional wrestling, period. And they were like, if you look over at WWE right now, like... The spots could, are there to grab. Yeah, they're, well, what they were looking at was, they're like, are there you know with all these people being hired back and the people they still have to push how many spots are even available in that sense and like i can't just be looking at it from the perspective of do i want to be in this company do i want to be in that company i have to look at it as a where is there a spot for me to move the best right now for me for this particular wrestler they're like that's aew because i look and they're like i have a path toward um some form of of stardom whereas he's like as the wrestler that I am right now, I'm not going to beat Roman Reigns. And so at that point, I at least know a world title is not in my future. Um, and uh, and Sorry, so they were well, looking- I'm just ready to burst right now because I, I, I just have a different mentality when it comes well, to this, okay? When it comes to this, okay, I get it. There's not enough spots. That's how it is across the board, okay? But here's the thing. Look at people, for example. Ricky Starks is just one example. Look at how many people were above him on the totem pole. And you know what? He took the opportunities that he could. And now, you know, he's shining, getting more opportunities. He got this match with his feud with MJF. Now he's uh, feuding with Chris Jericho and you know, they're going to start something with the Jericho Appreciation Society, whatever. The point that I'm trying to make here is that just because it doesn't seem like there's a spot for you, you work to make that spot happen. And the only way to do so is by taking every single opportunity. Yeah, th so, you can't just expect to be handed things because I, 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 of whatever so, uh, it is. And I'm not saying that being handed. It's more so because it, it's... It is about carving your own path, but sometimes you have to see where that path is because if you do see that, hey, I could carve my own path here, but in doing so, I'm going to hit a roadblock over here, but over here, I might not. It's about seeing where those opportunities lie for you and, and 
seeing where your ceiling is. And that's more so what I'm saying. Like, obviously, right. you still have to do the work. I just feel it's like not it's an easy excuse to say, oh, well, right now I'm not getting the opportunities that I want here. So, you know what, maybe I should just, you know, go to another place. Because I feel like the grass is always greener on the other side. I should right. say what I'm saying. What, what was for CM Punk's line in the scrum when he said, um, where he said about MJF, where he said, yeah, the grass is greener on the other line, but you got to. Uh, he said whatever. the grass is greener where you water it. And that's. There you go. Uh, and and, that line. <laughs> and and that's a great line, right? Because um, I I do believe in that, but I also exactly. think I think there you do also have to look at where you're planting your grass. And the the whole idea here, though, is just that really you have to look at what the landscape looks like for you, pretty much. Okay, and well, that, let me ask you a question. Yes, you're in a situation where you were in WWE. You're mm -hmm. you're a great wrestler. You're a talented wrestler. You didn't get your due in WWE, okay? And you were released. And you found this opportunity with AEW. Now you've been featured every so often, but you know, you know what? You're not MJF on the card. You're not Brian Danielson, but you know what? There's still a lot of potential for you. You've got a lot of fans, yes. but you're just not getting the opportunity that you want. You still got a couple more years in your contract with AEW. Let's just say two years or let's just say a year just for the hell of it, just a year. But you know that WWE is interested in bringing you back with, you know, somebody else that you feel might do a, that in your eyes, your opinion is going to book you a lot better on their show. What do you do? Do you try to get out of this situation with AEW so you can go over there to WWE? Or do you stick to your contract and you do what you... I mean, I, I always honor your... I mean, I say stick to your contract no matter what. But I also do believe that... Here's a good example. Because um, I, I believe in, again, looking at the path towards your goals. Good example, FTR. Um, there's rumors that they might possibly go back. Um, I've heard kind of both directions on that one. Um, they themselves have said that, you know, uh, come April, they might just take a year off from TV wrestling and see where the, the waves take them, regardless of all of that. For me, I'd be looking at the, the path to what my goal is. And if, like, my goal is, man, I want to put on the best tag team wrestling imaginable. Regardless of if Hunter's in charge or not, where is that in WWE? Like that's, that is to me, um, I don't necessarily right now see the path toward that. I see kind of a handful of matches that can be done, but for the most part, um, there isn't necessarily a, uh, there isn't a whole lot of build around a division in tag teams. There just isn't. Uh, I know that there are big tag team matches. Literally on Friday, they had the main event, and it was Sheamus and Drew versus the Usos. Bang the Banger Bros. The Banger Bros, who drive the Banger Bus. Um, but, <laughs> uh, and so, but again, our, is the landscape of building a tag team legacy where you want to go? Because if it's not, um again continue to think about those goals uh are they happy in aew i don't know that they are um but I, I i do know that there is a creative plan for them but uh are they happy there i don't know but also they've gotten to build a huge legacy they've gotten to to go down the AAA, which they're not going to be doing anymore but they also did get to go to new japan and they have gotten to really cement um, a tag team legacy in a way that being in WWE wouldn't have allowed them to do. Is that a thing they want to continue doing? It, it's, it's really about seeing what's further on that path than just what's right in front of you. You have to be able to look at the 
bigger picture of things and not just like in the moment right now, am I happy? No. So I'm just going to jump over here. Um, that's, that's not necessarily the way I would look at things. And this particular wrestler I talked to told me that very thing that they're like, yeah, I, I, I hear it. I see people wanting to go back and work for Hunter. I look at it right now as Hunter's only got so many spots to fill and, uh, it's not like people are retiring left and right. So it's not like those spots are just freeing up at some point, you know, it's full. And, uh, I don't know. I don't know. We, 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 we got like way off track. Well, here, yeah, we still got I got heated to get to. And I, yeah. felt, I felt like I had to get some stuff out there. Okay. Jody sends in a super chat saying, do y'all think William Regal regrets going back? Um, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. At least not right now. But I did think about him like right away. Like the second this came up, I was like, oops. You know, I would be a little bit concerned, especially because you don't know what the future lies. But I don't, I'm going to stop right now. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and uh, let me just make sure I'm all caught Mr. up here. CJ Lilly. And hold up, let me pull this up. Mr. CJ Lilly, thank you so much. Uh, he sends in a super chat saying that made that makes every opportunity mean something is what has made Alexa a success. And she's no matter and she is as no matter what she gets, she gets 100% and she gives she's a star because of it. Oh, so he's just saying, you know, Alexa is an example of somebody yeah, take, takes every great opportunity. opportunity. Yeah, right. Thank you so much to Mr. CJ Lilly for sending this in as well. All righty. Now, it is time for our number one of the week. Uh, do we have the same number one? Likely. Okay, well, uh, mine number one. I keep putting up the, forget it. My best, I'm, I'm just going to assume that our best of the week is yes. Kenny and Osprey. Yep, <laughs> yes, okay, perfect. <laughs> All right, just making sure. I didn't want to look like a fool. <laughs> Like I don't think time. we've made, yeah, I don't think we've made this guess poorly yet. Although I did yeah. uh, get you good last time, but yeah, uh, you did actually. This one, God, where okay. do I start? Yeah, do you, do okay, you want to start? I'll kick it off. I'll kick yeah, it off. Yeah, go ahead, I'll please. I, I want to hear. Oh, this is my moment right here. It's my yes, moment. I got, I got to sit up straight. All right. Um, so for me, this match here, and I know you stood up to watch it live, but I watched it, you know, afterwards. And for me, the reason why this is on my number one was for multiple reasons. One, it ended up being a different match than what I was actually expecting. Now, that's not to say, obviously, that it was bad or anything, because clearly it's my number one. Um, but it was different. But at the same time, what I enjoyed was that it ended up being a little bit of a balance between both of the styles that, you know, Osprey have and that Kenny Omega has. And I felt like they found a really good way to implement both of those styles into this match. It was hard hitting. It was violent. They had uh, two spots in this match that I in particular thought that like only, you know, only Osprey and Kenny Omega can do, uh, you know, in this match together. That was the uh, the DDT off the top rope onto the turnbuckle, uh, and then the um, the electric chair German suplex from uh, Kenny to Osprey. Those two moments I thought were really, really strong. And then on top of that, the other reason, and you and I were talking about this uh, via text message when you asked me like, oh, well, my thoughts were on it. And I said it was a completely different match what I was expecting. And then, you know, we were talking about how it was more of this fight between them, right? But 
the reason that I particularly like this too is because even though we already know that we've been seeing this growth from uh from 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 Osprey, we've already been seeing this growth from this growth from him. But there is still a lot of lady lazy criticism against Will Osprey, where people call him a spot monkey and oh he's only good at doing this type of matches and this and that. And you do see those types of lady lazy criticisms from people. I keep so thinking you are that, gonna say lady criticisms, by the way. Sorry. <laughs> like lazy criticisms um and to me this match was basically just kind of showcasing like for those that have those criticisms like no will osprey can do you know these different types of matches it's not the same type of match that you're seeing and you have already been seeing this growth in will osprey it's nothing new this growth in will osprey is nothing new but regardless I think that they did this match the way that they laid it out and the way that they did it just to kind of show uh, a little bit more of that range, especially given that you're going to obviously have a lot more extra eyeballs uh, coming in for Wrestle Kingdom. So that's why I like this match, and that's why I put it at number one. <laughs> this is in my top five all-time matches. Um, oh, wow. And that is a bold statement to make I recognize could it be a prisoner of the moment type thing maybe but uh I I've now watched it three times when you texted me when we were texting about it I was watching it for the second time at that moment I was actually around the same spot you were so it was kind of fun to get like your thoughts but also like seeing it at the exact same time um and I might watch it again today just to see where I stand with it because I, I have I have matches that I've seen over and over. Like, do you have those matches where you could practically recite the commentary because you know how it goes? I'm a little I, bit different, Will. <laughs> I, I'm more of like, I'll watch this match once, maybe twice, but I won't go back more than like three times. I see. And I have comfort watches. I have matches where it's just like, let me get that feeling back that made me... Because I, I like my to fear is my fear is for no, like if it's recent and go back and, and go back and watching a recent match, but that's fine. But sometimes going back and watching matches that I really loved from back in the day, I don't want to impact the uh, how I felt about it then and maybe not feel the same way about it now. Oh, see, and I, I and that's when happened I, to me a couple of times where I'm like, oh yeah, I really love this match. Let me watch it again, and then I'm like, oh, I don't really love this match no more. <laughs> so I, I always try to put myself mentally in the same place I was when I watched it the first time. So I can, yeah. so I'm still watching it through the eyes of somebody watching it the first time, watching this live. I, it just had me the whole way through. Um, again, you talked about lazy criticisms uh, and Kenny is not immune to those as well. Um, oh, trust and, me. I've seen the comments. Uh, oh yeah. And the fun thing about this is I've seen a lot of people who already have their minds made up about Kenny already have their minds made up about Will Ospreay had their minds made up about this match beforehand. And I even told somebody, um, one of uh, my old co-hosts, actually, uh, I mentioned to him, keep every idea you already have about Kenny and Osprey in your head and watch this match and tell me what you think. I actually, like, instead of telling him, throw all of that out, I want him to keep these so that he walks into this match and getting something entirely different. 
Um, and because the, th the thing is, I, it is a lazy criticism because that's not who Kenny is. It's not who um, Osprey entirely is. When I hear the idea that you know Kenny doesn't know storytelling, that is impossible. Kenny, Jesus one of the best, Christ! Yeah, Kenny is one of the best storytellers like in pro wrestling, right? But um, the idea that you know the, people think of storytelling a little bit differently than the idea of being able to convey a narrative via the action in the ring. And when you think about storytelling, this match had it in spades. The idea that Kenny was uh, showing Will Ospreay who he truly is and reminding uh, Will Ospreay of what New Japan Kenny has always been. Um, Will Ospreay in this position of having to valiantly fight back especially after he got bloodied on the um, the DDT, the way Kenny got his eye... Uh, I mean, the, the match was so violent uh, in all of the best ways. And it had the right mix of kind of everything you wanted. The table people, spots were really fun, too. The table spots were so good. Kenny bashing Will Ospreay's head into that table. Mm -hmm. That was pretty uh, funny, actually. Yeah, that, that was really good. Uh, and, and thinking about the fact that, like, I think you could count on one hand and not use every finger about how many flips you actually saw in this match. If flips aren't for you, good news is you didn't get a whole lot of them in this match. This match was really just hard-hitting athleticism, and it felt like a fight. It felt like these two did not like each other. They both had something to prove, and at every turn, I bit on so much of it. I didn't know who was going to win. My initial thoughts on this were, uh, Kenny's returning to New Japan to really like pass the torch in a way he didn't get to when he left. And then, you know, he can move forward with the rest of his career. And I thought this was just like a moment of going back. Oh no, 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 no. <laughs> New Japan Kenny is like fucking back. And, but throughout the match, I'm like, you know, in the moments where Kenny was dominating, I'm like, all right, Will Ospreay gets his, his big comeback. And then there were moments where I'm like, oh, but it doesn't really feel like Ospreay's going to win. And then I thought, okay, here it is, Ospreay wins. And it wasn't until Kenny hit that one-winged angel. And as Ospreay is on his way down, uh, time almost slowed down. And I'm like, basically selling myself on a New Japan, on a New Kenny, New Japan run. As he's headed down, I'm like, well, Osprey's not kicking out of this. I guess Kenny's back in New Japan. I guess Kenny's the new IWGP United States heavyweight champion. I guess this is where we're at now. And again, I'm just talking about the match, but the presentation was all big match stuff. Kenny's entrance was amazing. The Sephiroth entrance, um, actually getting the real deal Sephiroth music was so great. Uh, and Osprey. Osprey also came in in a big match way. Uh, and like I even see somebody asking, was this match a how many moves can you do type of match? No, it wasn't. And again, throw, that's what you probably thought it was. That's what be, you yeah. probably thought it was going to be. No, this thing felt like a fight. It felt like a contest between two people who wanted to prove they were the best. You could feel a sense of hate through both of them. And uh, by the it's end like of it, like that competitive, like competitiveness, like in your career, where you're like, I want to be the best. No, I want to be the best. Blah blah blah. That type of yeah. like that, that that type of like drive. Right, and of just this match was everything I have wanted out of a professional wrestling match. Uh, I just felt like the 
the action was there, the intensity was there, the drama was there. And also, I got a surprise result. I was not expecting Kenny to win. And so, literally everything I could want out of a professional wrestling match, I got out of this. This was the best match. I I, I jokingly said, it's, it's tough that you and I are about to do a best of 2022 show coming up rewarding all of that stuff, because none of it was as good as this. <laughs> like, I'm going to be honest. This was the best match I've seen. <laughs> Sam, well, you just buried all of last year. You were like, 22, 2022 wasn't shit. <laughs> I, like, honestly, I'm like... Look, 2022 had some great matches, and you'll probably be surprised at some of my picks for match of the year and all that stuff. But, like, to be honest, this is one of my favorite matches ever. And uh, upon rewatch, it didn't lose any of its luster. This was very, very good. Easy number one on any week it's on. So I also want to talk a little bit about, uh, because we're on this topic, uh, I want to talk about uh, Kenny Omega in the sense that We've been loving everything that's been going on between the Death Triangle and the Elite. We know we've talked about that numerous times here on the show, but let's be real. This version of Kenny Omega was sorely missed. Uh, Singles action, Kenny, top star shit with top star shit. Um, This was definitely missed. Um, On top of that, I do want to talk about, uh, you know, just kind of what it means for uh, Kenny to once again be IWGP US champion uh, and what you're kind of getting about that. To me, it is Kenny coming back to New Japan and defending this title is there's so much money in that and, you know, seeing the opponents that they place them with, too. But on top of that, I do feel that uh, the visibility of him holding the championship on AEW. That's definitely something that's just going to add to it. Um, Kenny holding the title to me means more for the expansion of New Japan Pro Wrestling in the U.S. than um, even some of the prior stuff that they've been doing. So for me, I'm like, okay, this is going to be like, to me, it's a win-win-win situation across the board for New Japan. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm just ready for Bell Collector to be back. I'm so happy. This is... God, I, I, I did miss this, Kenny, and uh, I'm hoping to see a whole lot more of it. This was so great. So great. Okay, well, there you go. That was our best. That was our worst of the week. I, I think this this episode kind of drove us in a bunch of different directions, but it's just to kind of show where we are in the wrestling uh, year so far, and it's only been eight days, and there's already <laughs> that so much that's talking about. And this is going to be our first full, complete year of After the Week, so I think it is going to be kind of crazy to talk about, you know, all of the things that really go down this year in pro wrestling. But before we go, um, a couple of heads up to everybody here. Uh, we are... Uh, this is our normal time slot. Uh, we will be going live on Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, if you ever forget our schedule, I do schedule these well in advance. You can come here to the YouTube channel and check out the schedule of when it's going to go, uh, when it's going to go up. Uh, on top of that, if you haven't already, please make sure if you want to see additional bonus content here on this channel, you are more than welcome to become a YouTube member. Um, if not, even just clicking that subscribe button definitely helps because I have officially surpassed, I think, what, like 83,000 subscribers here on uh, YouTube, which is pretty freaking huge, man. Uh, it's pretty freaking huge. This channel is growing, so I want to thank each and every single person for taking part in it. But before we go, uh, Will, please let the people know where they can find you. William RBR on Twitter, 
do most of my shows on Fightful, youtube.com slash Fightful, including one this coming Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. It's the annual Fightful Awards, first annual, and it'll be hosted by myself and Denise Salcedo and Sean Rossap, and it should be a hoot. I think it'll definitely be a hoot. And then also, guys, if you want to check out Dad and Grapsity, the links are in the description box below. But until next time, that was the first episode of After the Week, and we'll catch you next week. Bye, everyone.